You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Welcome back to Half Hour with Jeff and Richie, the podcast that digs deep into the heart of Broadway and off-Broadway shows. Today, we're peeling back the curtain on the intriguing new off-Broadway musical, Here We Are. Curious about our take on this last work from the legendary Stephen Sondheim? Stick with us for the next 30 minutes for a full dissection. I'm Jeff, a music industry producer and manager. And I'm Richie, a theater director and producer. Today, we're diving into the world of Here We Are Off-Broadway. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Half hour. Welcome back, everyone. This is just a heads up before we get rolling along here. This episode is packed with spoilers. So if you have not seen Here We Are Yet, you can pause this. You want to go see the show. You want to come back and listen. You can return to us afterwards. That's fine. But there will be a lot of spoilers on Stephen Sodom's final musicals. So please make sure you are warned. I wanted to make sure you all knew that before we moved on. Here We Are is a unique blend of elements from play and musical, comedy and drama, all wrapped in a layer of satire and surrealism. It is a book by David Ives. It's the final musical by Stephen Sondheim, who has left an indelible mark on the world of theater with classics like Sweeney Todd and Into the Woods, to name a few. This show in particular takes inspiration from two films by uh, Luis Buñuel, offering a narrative that's as puzzling as it is entertaining. It's a production that promises to be a landmark in theatrical history, and it's currently unfolding at The Shed, which is off-Broadway over in Hudson Yards in Manhattan, New York City. And you do have until mid-January 2024 to go check this out. So it is still running for a few more weeks. There's rush lottery options. There's buy tickets in advance options. I believe there are still some seats available. So go check this out if you can. Uh, it is the final time. So I kind of want to, before we... It is the final. Yes. And before we kind of go into some plot and some things, I just want to tell everyone, before Sondheim died, I believe it was about two years ago, he was talking about this. He was writing this. He was working on this. He took a break from it. He kept writing it. And he did pass away somewhat unexpectedly and was in the middle of writing it. So I just want everyone to know as we're talking about this, this was not 100% finished by him and no one else came in and finished it for him. Other than David Ives, who is the book writer who's still living, who then continued this on along with the cast and the direction and the designers to bring this to the stage. And I, Jeff, I do believe it was right before he passed that Stephen Sondheim did give his blessing for a production of this. Oh, it's great. not like I don't. Some people are like, did Sondheim want this to happen? Like, did he approve, even if it wasn't done yet? And I believe he was getting a team ready to produce this somewhere. So this was given his blessing. He was writing it. So I just want everyone to kind of know that as we move on, we're not sitting here saying, oh, it wasn't finished, or why did they do it? You know, there is a. I believe there was an intention for this to always come to the stage, regardless if it was finished. So, 
Just well, I would hope so. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I would definitely hope so. And, and yeah. Yeah, let's dive into the plot and our initial impressions on Here We Are a little bit because the the overall plot on this it builds a fascinating conundrum where a simple brunch spirals into a surrealist nightmare. So, like, right off of that, there's so much going on in this plot. It is wacky. It is kooky. It is everything that you kind of want in a final Sondheim, Sondheim production, I think, at least. Because I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, my. So many people are going to hate everything about this. And then there's going to be, like, you and I who are sitting there and we're like. I loved every this? second of it. And it was so interesting, Jeff, because. There's two things going on here. There's the actual show and what's actually happening in the show, right? Which we're obviously going to talk about. And then there's this looming slight elephant in the room of like the final Sondheim show, the final Sondheim show. I mean, you and I sat on the train and on the way down and I said to you, we're going on a train right now to go see the final Sondheim musical. And I, I'll never be able to say that the rest of my life. Yeah. And we were able to live on this you know, we're we're younger, so a lot of the big Sondheim shows came out before we were born. So since we've been born, we haven't seen a lot of new Sondheim. There have been a few, but we haven't seen any. And so the fact that this one, we were able to go see the original cast of the final, and they were all in it. Everyone we're going to talk about right now. It was, Finally. It was brilliant. We, it. we saw a show and everyone was in it. Yes. <laughs> and we were blown away. So I just want to talk about the fact that to hear Sondheim's last notes written, yeah. To hear this, you know, we have Jonathan Tunick did the orchestrations who worked with Stephen Sondheim for many years on many orchestrations. Uh, we have, um, oh my gosh, there's Alexander Gemignani did the musical supervision, additional arrangements. You had Natasha Katz doing the lighting, David Zinn doing the set. There's so many, Joe Mantello directing, like the names, the names, not just on stage, but backstage working on this. Could you imagine gathering in the rehearsals being like, I got to light this is the last Sondheim show. I got to write the orchestrations of the last Sondheim show. And so there's just that element to this, too, of nostalgia, of heartwarming sense of, wow, joy to support this, to see this. This man started so long ago with Gypsy and West Side Story, and now here we are seeing the last one. Just major, beautiful, chill factor moments. Well, I think I feel like everyone wanted to make sure that justice was done to this show for him. And they got some of the best of the best to come and do this show. So it really, you felt it and you felt that everyone put their all into the show. I, I, I never for one second thought they like, you know, didn't put it into this show mm. and which was great for me. And we have to also realize that as you know, we, so we're watching act one and it's absurdism and it's a lot of comedy and it's all written through as if it's it, it almost looks like act one's done right it kind of looked like it was set up for the act one finale like oh my gosh what's gonna happen and everything works so well in act one then you get to act two you're in a very different location it's dark literally and figuratively and there's a lot of music missing and it's almost like watching mm -hmm. a play and there, it's you watch it and you say i just couldn't help but sitting there and say oh my gosh a song would have went there oh my gosh a song would have went there Oh, a big act two finale would have went there. And so it was clear that you would have seen where Sondheim would have put the songs in and that it would have continued more. It was still a musical, but it was significantly less music than act one. To me, I was like, oh, my heart, my poor heart, seeing that and wishing that he could have finished it. 
that is so sad, but it's it, it was still there. It was a cohesive but, plot, you know. But this is what I'm I'm feeling with this though is that you knew where the music was going to go. Obviously, yes, you would have loved to have heard what the music was going to sound like, but at the same time, you had so much from Act One, and you had so much of like the underscoring in this this piece that you knew what it would have sounded like. So I think it's okay. You have to let your imagination kind right. of like right. soar a little bit into what it could have been and not right. be so like what I want it to be. Right. Just let it be what it could have been. Sure. But I do want to kind of talk about like the little, a little bit of the overall concept of the show. And how do you feel like how here we are compared to Sondheim's past work? Well, and I, where does it kind of sit? I always have been fascinated with the fact that Sondheim's every show is vastly different. You're dealing with anything from what we deal with in Sweeney Todd to what we deal with in Gypsy to what we deal with in Company. This was an absurdist, surrealist piece. So you need to understand that that is what you're going into. So if you're going to sit and watch this and take everything literally and kind of hard edge, look at it and say, well, why is there no food at this restaurant when they're all ordering? Or why are they in this house now? You got to take a second to step out of that. You're, yeah. You have to think of this like watching a Twilight Zone episode. The whole time, I felt like I was watching the Twilight Zone. Because I was like, because Twilight Zone is like kind of commentary on life, but also like what is happening. You have to go along for the ride. So I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think this really sets up like an other Sondheim show. Because a lot of Sondheim shows are usually pretty straightforward for the most part. This was a little bit more of a roller coaster. And you kind of went and you took a turn here and you took a turn there, but you just laughed. And you watch and you go and you don't sit and, and try to put a break on it. You just kind of go with it. And I think if you go with it and you ride it, especially Joe Mantello's brilliant direction of it, how you are flowing and flowing through different locales with music and the, the way they move in the space, that is a wonderful way to tell this story. So to answer your question, I don't think this is like a lot of Sondheim's in the past. It's very different. Very different. Correct. I'm saying more like where does it compare or where does it kind of sit in his repertoire of musicals? You know, I, I wouldn't say it's my favorite song I've ever seen. It's definitely not my worst, though. I definitely appreciate what he was trying to do here. The yeah. music, especially in Act One, is placed in all the right places. And I like the way the plot moves. You know, Well, I... One thing that I kind of want to talk about with this concept and the theme, actually... Um, here we are and this is something that i really loved here and it and i feel like sondheim we didn't grow up in the 80s so i don't know what would have been happening then when he was putting out musicals and how current they were comparing to what was happening in society but here we are really tackles the concepts of privilege societal collapse and human nature in the face of, of absurdity which is like, I think it's so important. And it was like, it's so interesting that he was writing and working on something like that um, before he passed away, because this is what is happening in our world today. There is so much of like social structure that we're talking about. And it's so, you know, he does it in a like bizarre, fun way, but it works. So immediately when I'm looking at that and we're looking at this cast of characters and we'll get into how Joe Mantello directed them and how, they all brought these characters to life. We see so much of like social structure and being at the top and what you care so much about into, you know, 
how do they solve their problems? Well, it's interesting because Sondheim, in a way, if you do look at some of the things he's done, Into the Woods is a literal metaphor for life. When you look at company, maybe he was in the 70s saying, like, everyone's obsessed with why you're not married by 35 years. Yeah. So let's write a show about how all these friends of Bobby got married and when's Bobby get? You know, right. and that was a commentary in a very groundbreaking show at the time. Maybe nowadays we don't worry so much about a 35-year-old in that way. But at the time, he needed to write a piece that was really, I think that's one of his greatest works, company. But this is another example of, look at all these people who come together for brunch. Now they're in this house. And here we are, I'm talking about now. Mm-hmm. And then they can't leave. And right. they're all stuck there. And they're all from vastly uh, military, uh, the priesthood. And all different walks of life are trapped in this ha- in this room. Right, because they were able to do whatever they wanted. In the real world. In the real world. Like, go to brunch and yeah. be nasty people to the waitstaff. Or, like, just say, oh, well, we can just go somewhere else if we're not going to go here. And it's how you treat people and how you want to be treated. So it wasn't until they really got to that point that they really were saying, oh, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be trapped. And how often do people feel trapped? No, no. I kind of feel like this sits for me. And I, 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 oh, yes, I could imagine what this show would have been like if it was fully finished with the additional music that he would have written for Act Two. But I do feel like it would have sat pretty high up based on the material. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back. Because even mm-hmm. though, like, you know, which we recently talked about, Merrily We Roll Along, that's another thing. When they take the idea of friendship and how does the friendship go from start to finish or how does it finish and go to start? You know, so I think that this is a great show and it's so wacky and kooky that. Well, there's moments there's and there's moments where you leave the audience to say what did happen? Like, like they all showed up saying they were at brunch, but the host didn't realize there was brunch. that day. So we already start with that. And then later on throughout the whole piece, we know Rachel Bay Jones character is saying, I was supposed to do something today and I can't remember what it was. And at the end, she says, I remembered what I had to do today, but I'm not going to tell a single soul. I'm just going to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's awesome, right? These moments where, like, Michaela Diamond's character trying so hard to figure out what's going on in the world, the world's ending, she's trying to tell people. And then, is she the savior? Is she the problem like everyone else? Is everyone, in a way, a problem here? Including Dennis O'Hare. 
There's so many ways you can look at everyone saying, well, everyone is the problem, but everyone needed to come together to be the solution to get out as well. And that was the point of it, I think. And with here we are, how often does it also mean like, here I am? How often do you want to be seen? And how often is it about you? I know it's here we are, but is it also here I am? Right. And is there also like, here we are at brunch. Oh, there's a problem. Okay. And he goes back in the car and here we are. We're at this rest. Oh, there's a problem. Here we are at this room. Oh, the room is so great. And then there's a problem. So, and then there's the commentary of um, David I. Pierce sitting with Rachel Bay Jones sitting and talking about like, well, what is life's purpose, father? You know, and he says, we are here. You know, he simplifies it for us. So there's this, and, and we're here until we're not. And there's this commentary on life and death which is also eerie because then Sondheim dies in the middle of writing this piece about literal end of the world. And that's Wait, a this, whole nother level. To it. This is something interesting that I was going to bring up about that because we just saw here, oh, Merrily we rode along and the show's about a friendship that was so great and then it ended. And we all know about how Stephen Sondheim and Hal Prince had that friendship and that partnership of working together for so long. And then their friendship ended kind of after Merrily We Roll Along, which is what the musical was literally about. Mm. And then now we're, we're seeing Here We Are. And he's writing this musical about like your legacy in life and what happens when you die. And that's really so interesting to me. Like what a coincidence that yeah. he's writing this and what was the legacy that he left behind with Here We Are. But also he never finished it. Mm. So... And, and like, and then, what are the odds that that happened? Exactly. And it's sad in a way. But then you look at this whole cast and design team and you say, when everyone got the call that was like, hey, you want to go do this? You know, everyone stopped their film life, stopped their personal life, whatever they had to do, say, oh, yeah, if they're calling me to do the final Sondheim show. Yeah, I'm at the shed down on 30th Street. Yeah, I'll be there till Jack. Oh, you're going to extend. Yup, we'll stay. Like, of course, you're going to say yes and do it, which is why I think it's fascinating to see this star studded cast. What everybody has been in such wonderful pieces, and that's what I want to kind of transition to a little bit here, is just some of these cast standouts. Do you have a few standouts that were cast members that really stood out for you? Yes, I All right. do. Okay, who were your tops? <laughs> I'm going to first say Bobby Cannavale is the top for me. It was great. I I just love seeing him in things, and I loved being able to see him on the stage here. He, I, you know he's one of those people that kind of like is it just is it just him being him but he kind of like had a presence that you drew to when it was on the stage also i love rachel bay jones she just brings some sort of a life to this character this character is so wacky but so great at the same time it's a character that i feel like i'm going to remember forever um just because like you're so intrigued and inspired by kind of like the ditziness that she brings to it, but also like the power that she holds. It's very like Real Housewives of all of the franchises where they're like, wow, these people are so rich, but they act so interesting. And I think we can get into the whole realization that she has and what you think it is and what I think it is. But I think there's something there that we're supposed to connect with. And, oh, I mean, I'm going to end up saying the whole cast, but Amber Gray also. Mm. She, it was just such a, a different role for me to see her play as this like kind of work woman, but like 
playing the middle class, but like upper middle class that like so many people think they are, but like, are they actually? And I think like she has that one moment when they're in the restaurant and like the waiter comes up and she's like, who are you? What are you talking about? And she's like, you don't know who I am. And like, that's yeah. Interesting. To, to, I agree with I agree with you about Bobby. I totally agree with about Amber. Amazing, both of them. Rachel Bay Jones is a star to me. I've always loved her and everything she's done. She's amazing. I, they really developed her character more than most. I actually thought. Um, I also loved Dennis O'Hare. I know he kind of does that a lot in the American Horror Story, but he played all those roles so well. He has a great song. Uh, David Ike Pierce was this like quiet, simple, kind of sad, charming. It was great, like awesome. Yeah. Like he didn't need to do anything more or less than what he did, and it was fine. He worked great. To me, there is I am such a Tracy Bennett fan. I've always been a fan of her. When she did Judy on Broadway, I was I literally thought I was watching Judy Garland. Like the woman is so talented. I loved her act one number. She didn't have much to do in act two, but I was watching her the whole time. Were you watching her the whole time? Because I kept saying something's gonna happen with her. She's the one who hit the wall and the water came out of the pipe, right? Uh, with the staff. Uh, but I, I love Tracy. I, I just love her. And I think she was so great. I just, even in the beginning when, da- when um, Dennis and her are cleaning in the beginning, I just love that. Like, yeah. I just love everything she did. Well, I think there's like a little bit with her character of like being the underdog and being the dark horse that most people don't like take for granted and not really thought that she was important. And when she did break the pipe and then the water came out, everyone kind of realized, you know, interesting. And she stayed there. back in the house when they all left. Yeah. Which I thought was because she has a line. She's like, I feel like I had a good life. I lived my life. You know, there's such life and death commentary here. And then there's that whole thing in Act Two where they, they try to leave and they can't. And can they literally not leave or have they all decided personally they can't leave? Why are they staying in this space? Why is the world really ending? They had to all work together to figure out how to get out. It's just really wild to me. There's so many ways you could think about it. We'll be right back. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Let's jump back into things. I think there's two things like... Here, one, I think Joe Mantello's direction really brought some cool, unique perspectives on what you're supposed to be watching versus what you're not supposed to be watching. But if you do watch what's happening on stage, you're going to learn something. I feel like you can kind of go see that show. And like, let's say you were sitting on the side, you would be watching a completely different show. Mm, I like it in the round. We were looking very face on 
um, toward the stage. So we were getting kind of the director's perspective of what was happening. But if we were sitting on the side, we would have been probably more intrigued by different characters that were not so, you know, face forward focused. And I like the, um, the, the, the three quarter side audience. I think that totally yeah. works for a piece like this. And I also think there's a little bit of, um, bringing in this whole apocalypse theme and like what happens if the apocalypse happens is something I think that people think about all the time. So for something like this, we've seen other shows do this. We've seen like American Horror Story do this. We've even heard like the rumors that there's islands out there that like, you know, the rich are going to go to and they have bunkers downstairs that, you know, they could live if there was ever an apocalypse. And I think it's kind of a little bit of a play on, you know, if these people did go to a bunker-esque place, what would happen? And what would they talk about? And it's so interesting to watch all of their theories on, you know, well, what did they do in life? And what was important to them during that time? And what did they need to kind of like get off their chest? Which is interesting when you see like in the beginning with Michaela Diamond's character, how she's so against all of them and yet when she falls in love she kind of in a way for she will forget what her oh because a humanistic moment of love happened in her life and her like mission she's like oh my gosh they're gonna check my phone again about the world and like they all have weak weaker moments that simplify signify what they're going through as their purpose in life and how life can derail you or life can make you take a hard left or a hard right and when, even with Bobby Cannavale and Rachel B. Jones character, when he's dying and he had said to her, oh, yeah, I go to brothels. And she's like, what? And she doesn't want to talk to him. But then he dies. But then he doesn't. It's just the ups and downs of life all imitated in this room. And it was fascinating. Well, OK, so now what do you feel like the whole message was that she had to remember something that was supposed to happen today? I don't know because there was, it's this, this whole piece in a way is about memory. And they don't even remember that people were coming over for brunch in the beginning. So it's clear that she doesn't remember a lot of things. And there's a lot of ways you can look at it. I wonder if she said, I'm not going to tell anybody, I'm just going to do it. Maybe it was to reconnect with her husband. Maybe she was feeling re- lost there and she said, I'm not going to w- wake up and tell him I want to hang out with you more or do stuff. I'm just going to work on it. So maybe there's this commentary of like, I know what I need to do in my life and I'm just going to work on it mm. because I don't want the world to end and me have regrets or, you know, there's a lot of stuff. Well, I, I do think there's a little bit about like the whole appreciate what you have. And sometimes, especially with many of these characters, they didn't appreciate what, what they have and they didn't use it to their best potential. So, like, for example, too, like, um, the Michaela Diamond character, she had access to help do things in different ways, and instead she just tried to destroy her access. But at the same time, looking around, and anytime something shiny came across her face, she just flew to it like a moth, you mm-hmm. know? Like, And I think the biggest scene there is, like, self-awareness, kind of, for people. Because even when her, it's not her father, it's, I think, she's the sister of Rachel Bates. Correct, she is. So her brother-in-law. Brother-in-law says to her, hey, you know, just going to tell you something. You're the same way that you want your hamburger cooked. You're 
perfectly little pink on the outside and like burnt on the inside. Mm. Like at the same time, like, girl, you're just as bad as all of us. And we don't do enough reflection and self-awareness to realize that. And I think what you're talking about all these, we're all, we're sitting here talking about these heavy issues, but then we, we have moments of absurdity. Like it's, there's a fire on the floor in the middle of the room. There's snow coming down in the middle of the room. There's water bursting out of pipes. There's a, there's a, a bear crawling through the middle of the stage. Like all of those moments are so important to the absurdity piece of this. So you can't look yeah. at it and say, well, why is there a bear? Would there really be a bear? Would it really snow in this room? No, the whole piece is based on the absurdity. And you have to look at life as being absurd in a way too. Our lives are all in a way absurd like that. And then the Sondheim lyric and the message, even the priest being obsessed with the shoes, like these little moments that are just sprinkled through as comedy totally work too. Well, it's really like smart. I feel like that's something of why this show is working. And it, it's another one of these shows that people are either going to love or they're going to hate. But, you know, when you have a show that kind of is to act as a mirror for people and to say, hey, look, just remember, yes, life is important and what you do on this earth is important, but we truly don't know what is going to happen after this life. And people think they do, but no one knows. And I think that that was probably one of the perfect moments when Rachel Bay Jones' character and David Hyde Pierce are having that conversation. And he's really saying to her, like, hey, we don't know. No mm. one knows. Just as mm. much as you know or I know, you don't know. So yeah, you want to leave a legacy and that's great. And you want to get to the top, that's great. At the end of the world, it's a very you can't take it with you message. Like, hey, you're going to be gone. And I, that's mm. where I think some of the direction moments of like the snow falling and the matter just being in the room and the water. It's like, hey, it's here one day and it's gone the next. And speaking of, and to, to piggyback on that, we have brilliant set design. Lighting design, Brilliant. sound design, costume design. It, the whole thing was designed impeccably. And I shout out to that whole team for working so well on that and bringing this yeah. up. It was really cool. Yeah. And also, it was just really cool to be in a new space. Love I, the shed. I want to go back and see shows there all the time. The shed is it. The staff is amazing. The space is so new and fresh and modern. And you feel like you can do a million different types of shows in there. And you're like, you don't even feel like you're in New York City for a second, you know? And you go up the escalators all the way up there. Yeah. And they have this wonderful lobby gift shop. It, everything. Wonderful. What a cool yeah. space. It's super cool. It's super modern. I mean, it's not traditionally your theater house that, you know, has that whole look. But no, it was cool. It was like. Loved it. It was really fun. Right there Loved in the heart it. of Hudson Yards. Yes. In Midtown Manhattan. <laughs> so. Yes. Oh, my gosh. We're wrapping up here. Time is flying by. So we're going to give a wrap up. What are your one, two, three final thoughts on here we are, Jeff? Listen, it's the last Sondheim show that you will get to say, I saw the last Sondheim show in its original run. We're going to see Sondheim all uh, for the rest of our lives, but this is the last show. So go and see it. It's wacky. It's kooky. I'll keep saying that over and over again. It's wacky and kooky, but just embrace it because there is a message in this show, even if it's not finished. There's a huge message in here and you got to be there with your thinking hat on and think about things because there's a lot to talk about. There, and there, and I will agree with you. There is a message here because it's very clear that, you know, how many times did Sanan get presented with an idea for a show? And he said, I'll pass. You know, he, only, he was probably very selective with what he did. He, you know, he didn't have 8,000 shows. So to, to have seen the Buñuel films, to work with David Ives and say, there's something here. I want to put this on stage. 
at his age, doing what he did so impeccably well through his whole life is remarkable. And he's brilliant. And I just shout out to this whole team. This is amazing. I really want to go back. I just wish I could. I would go back in RB. It's only a few weeks left, but you all got to go check this out. What an amazing experience. And uh, I'm, I just keep thinking about it. I can't stop thinking about it. I'm going to keep oh, yeah. thinking about it. You know, there's a lot going on here. So we'll keep thinking about it. We'll keep thinking. Well, that does wrap up our discussion for our episode today. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into here we are. Yes. And we have a big announcement because this is our last episode of 2023. Yes. The next time you hear from us will be in 2024. We did a lot of episodes this year, Jeff. Saw a lot yeah. of theater, a lot of, a lot of shows. Uh, a lot of thoughts on all of them. You can listen back on some of them. But uh, we have lots more coming in 2024. From what it looks like, we're going to be going <laughs> pretty busy. It's going to be great. We love it. <laughs> yes. Don't forget, to, uh, we want to hear from you. Continue the conversation with us on Instagram and TikTok at Half Hour Podcast. And let us know your thoughts on Here We Are. And if you enjoyed our show, please leave us a review. Your feedback helps us bring more theater to you. Remember, you can listen to past episodes. Stay tuned for some upcoming ones in 2024 as well. And be on the lookout for our recap of our favorite shows of 2023. We're going to do it. On social. Go check out our socials by the end of the year on New Year's. uh, Our thoughts on our favorite shows of the year. (laughs) Now now it's on on film, so we have to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, I'm Jeff. And I'm Richie saying ta-ta and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.